0: Welcome to RCS. I'm Nick. I'm Dan. <laughs> that was a heavy sigh. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun weekend. I had a long day yesterday. It was a good one, though.
1: I didn't feel like this weekend was actually like I ever stopped working.
0: No. Like it was just... No, 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 not at all.
1: Yeah. I was helping a friend move, and then we Sunday we were out at Avance, and that just... At the off-road event, and, like, and I, I am literally trying to wake myself up today. Like, it's And then it's been Monday, you know, life <laughs> goes on, but yeah, it just feels like we're working right through, so.
0: Yeah, that Avance event was great, though. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. We had our Big Ten set up. We were a premier sponsor of that off-road event. If you're not an Avance member, you're missing out, because that was a ton of fun. Uh, if you go to Avance, the off-road stuff, and see the photos and the video, you will see the smiles and the laughs.
1: I think we personally signed up two new people yesterday. We did. So, yeah, Uncle Peter is now a member, and then uh, another gentleman who was standing there had come out with his buddy and had signed up for Avance.
0: Yeah, he had a blue F one hundred and fifty, a nice built one. Yeah. I thought it was a Raptor at first because the Raptor grill on him. It's a really nice built F one hundred and fifty, and his buddy with the the Raptor actually
1: the Roush Raptor.
0: Roush Raptor. Yeah. yeah. What was his Instagram? That's a great truck.
1: Something America or there was, uh, there was something
0: Freedom Chariot.
1: Freedom Chariot. Us, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah he, he won a uh, basically an award from us from our friends at uh, Grios. So Grios Garage, one of our sponsors, of course, the exclusive car care provider of Rain City Supercars, got us the usual and very helpful giveaways: uh, the foam cannon and a full detail kit, and we had really good samples of the best in show spray detailer.
1: That's good stuff. Yeah, I really like good it.
0: stuff. Yeah. And uh, they helped us set up with the event and uh, or help us get product for the event. So people, <laughs> the amount of dirt, my truck went to the parking lot and it was filthy. Mine too. <laughs> yeah.
1: My, my, my I didn't even take my car through um, and it was, there was caked and stuff. But that's, it's funny because uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Trevor from Dirtfish was out there and mm-hmm. I was, I was asking him, I was like, what's the deal with this field? He's like, well, it used to be our parking lot. He's like, when we kind of fill all that bark that's out there has mm-hmm. been, was been put there. Like that's not <laughs> naturally occurring bark. That's um, a lot that's, of yeah. That's bark. A, yeah. So it's um, a lot of fun. Like I said, when's the next one? Then March twentieth, March 20th, February twentieth. 20th, yeah. yeah. 20th, yep. Oh, February twentieth. Yeah,
0: March. just a few weeks from now. And we yeah, we have prizes, more prizes to give away at that one. Our friends at Master Pole, not a sponsor, but they brought out some product to give away to the members. So, I mean, it's good stuff. If you're a, a winner, Dress warm. Yeah, dressed warm.
1: I mean even with the tent and the, and the side of the tent and the heater I was there was that was there was chill. Yeah. yeah.
0: Again, our heater was VIP of the day
1: and you rode a monkey out that was kind of I funny. did I rode the
0: monkey yeah. all the way out to dirtfish
1: really funny to watch you behind me
0: <laughs> it's so fun even in the cold and in the rain i and i have the i have the right gear for it yeah. and we'll get into more of that later but it it was fine i wasn't cold my my legs got a little bit cold but that's it and even in the rain i was just laughing the whole way there though like you you can't get on that bike and not go wee really loud inside <laughs> your helmet at least once or twice <laughs> It's just stupid fun. rain from
1: ear to ear, even in the rain. It wasn't yep. really raining. It was the roads were wet.
0: Yeah, and there was yeah. a little bit of rain here and there. but It really wasn't yeah. bad, and it rained off and on throughout the day. But actually, it was just mainly just cold and windy. Luckily, we have a giant wall.
1: I could tell you were taking it. You were taking a little slow coming around some of those corners in the rain on those very small street tires on the monkey. Yes, so, my little
0: twelve-inch yeah. tires aren't exactly. <laughs> uh, they're, they're a little squirrely. Yeah, imagine that. Um, yeah. So, but other than that, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for this week's Carter Subaru Tip of the Week, speaking of cold weather and things getting very very dirty, mm-hmm. uh, so we were washing the truck today and the Subaru, getting things recovered from our fun weekend, and one of the things we wa- we we were playing with is the new Griot ceramic wash, and there's a special way to put that on with a with a foam cannon, which we have, we have all the right gear to do that, but it was not the right temperature
1: a lot of the, a lot of products out there these days and and it's even i'm talking even outside the car care product stuff like stuff you use at your house they will suggest a, the, the appropriate temperature to put it on. And, and you don't really know what will happen with a product, especially with, with car care products. Like, a lot of things will congeal. that would be, a, yep. you know, if you were putting it on in the, we'll say, spring, summer, but in winter, it would congeal on your car, and it really wouldn't do what you're asking it to do, be it wheel cleaner or wheel protectant or ceramic, any type of ceramic coating out there.
0: Glass cleaner is a big one of those. Uh, tire shine is another one of those. Wax, especially, though. Wax does not like cold, cold, cold weather that we're having right now. So unless you've got a heated garage, now's not the time to wax your car as, as much as you might want to. Yeah, look at the product on the back. It'll tell you what temperature to be in and it w- and if before you unfairly judge a product for not working as expected look at how to put it on based on the temperature because i have seen that i've done that myself very much so with wax on the hood of a car i'm like why isn't this working i'm I like understand. oh yeah
1: i'm working hard here yeah
0: yeah i'm in the garage i'm like oh the garage is like 40 degrees still and this is not working and it'll it'll look oily and messy it doesn't buff off well yeah so the ideal temperature is really important when applying product onto a car it's also makes changing your oil <laughs> Too, because cold oil does not like to drain.
1: Oh, you're saying I can't go out to the middle of Alaska and change my oil? Yeah, is that a good idea. Okay. Seems a little thick, a little syrupy. Yeah. 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 So
0: our tip of the week this week, thanks to our friends at Carter Subaru, is to check, read that back of that package. Uh, not just put on waxes. They all don't. They don't all just go out the same. Synthetic waxes, regular waxes, glass cleaners. Like we said, read the back of the package. Find out what the ideal temperature is, and so you don't, you know, falsely misjudge a product working or not. It really does. It it matters. So.
1: Yeah, apparently there are instructions on the back of things. I know, right? I, I don't know. You're not know, just supposed to rip the box apart and start building it. I don't know. Oh, okay. You see, it's you know,
0: when you were younger, you just like, you remember being in the bathroom and you didn't have a phone, so you just read the back of every bottle that was next to you? Yep. Yep. Everybody, yep. everybody old enough that remembers that.
1: <laughs> Who knew what two-ply was really made of? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Charmin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh,
1: Boy, that's a long time ago, not having something. I mean.
0: Yeah. Oh, what's that noise? That sounds good. We're back it at Drivers a, Club this week. Uh,
1: it's a Porsche Cayman, but it's—I think it's a GT4. Ah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. So there's some good-looking ones out there today. There's this blue 600 lt down there. I'm just drooling over.
1: Oh, it's, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of spaces are out of here. Like there, people are out driving their cars. Oh yeah. Even though it's been kind of a yeah, it's nasty brrr. time. So
0: it's busy here. People, you know, it is Drivers Club for a reason. Not Park Your Car Club. So
1: that courage GT is gorgeous.
0: Yep. Yes. There's a black courage GT in here that I drool over. Every time I see it in here, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, what should we talk about today, Dan?
0: <laughs> well, speaking of our rebrand, thanks to Salvo Design and RCS, we are branching out a little bit, uh, a little bit, though, not too far. I want to talk about motorcycle stuff, as we're getting into the monkeys, which people laugh at, because you can't help but laugh at a monkey. It's a little tiny, little... If you don't know what a Honda monkey is, for our listeners, it's a... Oh, the
1: Honda monkey. I was we've been at the zoo, just laughing at the monkeys. Yeah. Okay. They're entertaining. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it's this little tiny bike. They made them back in the 70s, and they think they were originally 50 cc's. Now they're 125s. They're street legal, but they're really tiny.
1: you imagine only 50 cc's? Like, I, I look at how hard it is for you to go up a hill...
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the Ruckus is only 49. I mean, there are small street legal motorcycles that are still under 50 cc's, which don't require an endorsement or yeah, don't require an endorsement if you're under 50 cc's, but uh, the monkey's 125 cc. So it's uh, quite a bit bigger than the old monkey, but still a very tiny bike and hilarious to ride. But that said, we don't get on any motorcycle without proper gear, at least some. And okay, I, I should go back a little bit. I used to sell motorcycle gear for a living. A long time ago, when I was very young, this was my thing. And I was actually pretty good at it. I won a few awards and I did a bunch of sales records. It was, I loved it. I supported our race team back in the day. I really actually loved that job. It was a no going nowhere job for me at the time, but it was a really fun job.
1: Yeah. But probably part of your success was you were knowledgeable. You weren't shoving gear at somebody that they didn't. You don't
0: sell people stuff they don't actually want so that you can make higher numbers. You sell people what they need and what they're actually going to use. And I can say all day, the old saying is at get all the gear all the time. Uh, which is what we used to say to anybody on a motorcycle if they were riding a full-size machine. Like, you're riding a sport bike, you're riding a Harley, you still want protection all the time, because falling over at 10 miles an hour hurts a lot. And I'm not going to lie, though. On the Monkey, I'll put on boots, jeans, a protective jacket, and a helmet and gloves, and I'm pretty much calling it a day. And... Send the hate mail. I know. I'm like, I'm not going to wear full leathers riding a monkey. Sorry.
1: Although I have a few ideas now. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: One piece race suit on the monkey. Why not? Absolutely. Speed hump. Yeah. Some on of those
1: really creative ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But we want to, t- I want to talk about uh, mainly helmets today and the differences between car helmets and motorcycle helmets. Let's start with that.
1: Well, actually, I mean, it goes back. Dan and I were having a conversation because um, we've yeah. sort of both been talking getting back into mountain biking a little bit, uh, thanks to our previous guest, Linnea, and I got a chance to go out and ride with her, and I, well, did, I, I, I didn't have my old, I, all, a lot of my old gear that I rode, mm-hmm. it, you know, that foam and stuff de- de- disintegrates. I didn't have all my full face, so I decided I was going to wear my motocross helmet that I bought years ago, actually going f- to go out four-wheeling in the desert with Boreog, of all people, <laughs> um, and, uh, and Mr. Fowler, actually, and so... And I bought a double XL helmet because, as most of the listeners know, I have a hard time finding helmets or hats that fit my head because I was born with a large cranial dome. And I was noticing as I was riding that I was really kind of claustrophobic. Even though the helmet fits my my head, the the face mask or what would we say? The chin bar. The chin bar was really close to my face. And I thought, well, this is just life. And I was bringing up to Dan and Dan goes, well, yeah, that's because you have an extra, you have an extra, extra large helmet, but it's built into an extra large shell. And I was like, I I don't understand. Are you telling me I crammed four pounds of crap into a three pound bag? And pretty much. So give a little bit of background like you gave me, because I did not know this.
0: Okay. Let's, yeah, let's start with helmet sizing, because that's the most important thing. A lot of people, a lot of people buy the wrong size helmet. I was a stickler back in the day about measuring people. And you measure, There's a you can look it up online, but it's basically right above your brow and then kind of around the largest part of your head. That's where you want to measure, and that's where the helmet fits. And people are like, well, my face is never going to fit in that. They might be a large, but if you're a bigger person, you might have bigger cheeks and a larger neck. Well, okay, one, your brain is not in the front of your face, for one. So protecting your brain is number one. And two, you can adjust the cheek pads in any quality helmet and get the right size and, and help it fit well. But another part of that is if you... Have a large, a larger head like Nick, a double XL or triple XL. There's a lot of people out there like that. You need a helmet that's specifically made for your head size, not just reduced padding. So what they do, what a lot of manufacturers do, a lot of cheap manufacturers, they'll have three shell sizes. They'll have extra small and small. They'll have medium and large, and they'll have extra large and double and double extra large. And there's only three actual physical shells. Even less, I've seen in some really cheap helmets actually, where it's like the medium shell fits everything, and you can just kind of like squeeze in. (laughs) So
1: basically larger, larger cranial dome people are getting less protection because we're getting less padding. Absolutely.
0: And you're paying a lot less for it too. So if you look at like the large, large name brands that have been around for a very long time, Arai, Shoei, Bell, things like that. uh, Bell actually uh, does, so does Shoei actually. Bell has six different actual physical outer shells of the helmet. And they accommodate you very well based on the size of your head. And so when you buy, an, uh, it's one of the things you're getting by spending more for a helmet. A helmet is one of those things that you rarely spend more and get less for. You actually get a pretty good return in investment on, on quality and safety and just comfort. And so by getting into, like you, getting into an actual double XL helmet with a double X size shell, you're going to get more of that volume around your face so you're not so claustrophobic. Far less, it'll be far more comfortable and less wind noise. Uh, so, and all the padding will just fit better because it's made for you. It's made to, and like, you can might be able to change the cheek pads a little bit to get it right, but that's all you got to do.
1: And it's funny because, and I will leave out where I bought it from, but I had somebody that told me that that's what I needed. That helmet was what I needed. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, like, in my mind, the contact point, like you said, we're measuring around the top of your, your, above your eyes is kind of where that's where your helmet, where you feel a helmet more than anything. Like, yeah. I mean.
0: Well, you feel it there and in your cheeks. Um, and the cheeks throw everybody off. I, if, when I would get somebody, I could look at somebody after a few years of doing it, I could, I realized that if I put the helmet on their head with the cheek pads in, they would immediately say it was too, too big or too small or whatever, or too small. They would feel claustrophobic just because of the shape of their face. And so what I would do is I would pull the cheek pads out immediately. I wouldn't even let them try on the helmet without the cheek pads. Cause I knew I was going to have to swap the cheek pads out before they the helmet and so and which was usually like 20 to 30 bucks it wasn't like you know 500 bucks but
1: do not ride with the helmet and take the cheek pad yeah, right no, don't I do mean, that that's okay
0: yeah and so but i would have them put it on they'd be like oh that fits perfect around my head and every helmet that fit before and i was like then i'd put the cheek pads back in i said now try it now and they're like oh that's way too tight and i was like that's why i pulled them out mm-hmm. i want to see how it fit around your head so that it's comfortable around your head now we'll get you different cheek pad sizes and sometimes I'd have to drop down by like 20 millimeters. So like a huge amount, depending on how their face was shaped. But then I, once I got the right cheek pads and they're like, Oh, I've never had a helmet fit so good before. I've usually got them, you know, way bigger than they loosen up over time and then they don't fit anymore because they thought they would need you know, just based on their face, they would thought they would need like an XL and they're only a medium. And so a medium, I think, is uh, 56 or 57, 58 centimeters, and a large is 59, 60. They go by two centimeter increments, typically. That's the that's uh, the approximation and the padding they give. And if you, if you do this for a living, like you ride all the time, you can micro-size these down to the millimeters around your head based on how they pack out. So, like, if you are a... a you know, 365 rider, you, that's your main form of commuting, that's probably going to be worth it to you to really minimize that sizing. So it's just perfect. I did that on all mine.
1: So, but I mean, these helmets are not coming with extra pads, right? You no. have to, you have to go out and source these at a, di- or
0: yeah. And, but they are memory foam. Um, the, the foam behind it has a memory. So if you get a uh, one that's a little tight in the face, just wear it for like a week and it'll be fine. Or if it's really tight, take the cheek pads out, put them under a heavy book or anything heavy and flat, and then put them back in and they'll expand back out to your face. And usually will be comfortable again. Oh, so there's lots of little tricks like that, and I have then no idea, yeah, some of them do have uh, adjustable cheek pads that come with them, but very few these days and like I said, I tend to still even after all these years, I still tend to push people toward a rye first and be like start there, and you'll find usually a better helmet because that's all they do um and when I mean that's all they do, if you get like a helmet from Fox, for example, you get a fine helmet, but it's Fox is a brand that makes everything. And I don't mean Fox suspension. I mean Fox clothing. They make uh, they make mountain bike gear. They make dirt bike gear. And they specialize in putting their brand in everything. Yeah. But
1: I, I, I use their gloves to ride. I love them. Yeah, they make nice yeah. stuff.
0: It's fine. Uh, Fox, you know, Troy Lee, whatever. But their helmets aren't made by them. They don't have a helmet factory. They're made by a helmet manufacturer overseas. And so, like, you might get a climb helmet, but it's the same as the Fox helmet. Or it might be the same as the Fly Racing helmet or the Thor helmet or whatever whatever brand you get, but it's 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 somebody else making it and they're branding it and they'll be really similar. The, they'll have even swappable parts on the inside. Huh. So versus Arai does nothing but helmets. Shoei does nothing but helmets. Bell does nothing but helmets.
1: But any company that's an equipment manufacturer like that that outsources their helmets they're probably not going to be the high-end helmet correct uh, It
0: depends so they've gotten a lot better about that over the last 10 years or so it was uh, when they first started out doing it like uh, i remember back in the day i mean using fox as an example because they are so big and so popular in the motorcycle world uh their helmets were super heavy <laughs> they were like double the weight of an Araya or a Shoei, but they were also like the three to four hundred dollar price point and an Araya at the time was like starting at four hundred dollars uh, and so like they weren't bad, but they were definitely not, you know, the high end, they were a good upper middle. They were still, they weren't cheap quality. They weren't junk. They were just, they were a polycarbonate mixed with uh fiberglass shell and Arai was fiberglass and carbon mix and carbon, you know, you're getting into the higher, lighter, more exotic uh, composites, which are also stronger when you get into a higher end helmet. Let's take our first break. We'll come back more. I'm going to talk about the difference between SA helmets, which is what car ratings are for, Snell ratings, things like that. And we'll be right back. This is from our first break from our sponsor with Hagerty. We spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens, laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators.
1: But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect? Is to disconnect.
0: This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back.
1: Yeah, I think that's and that's something we need to discuss because, like, I mean, they're the rating system wise, it's it's a little hard to, to figure out because yeah. I've been, I've taken helmets that I thought were. DOT approved to an event or something like that. And the people and, and there are going, you can't use this helmet. It's not, yeah. it's not approved for this. Like, and then on the other side of that, I've seen people show up to track days and they're, they're physically wearing a full-face mountain bike helmet. And people are like, are you insane? Like, That's not what that's built for. Like,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a huge difference. Uh, so it's not that one is better than the other. It's not that they're just designed for different, ap- different applications. It's not because, oh, I have a good, you know, great Bell racing car helmet. It's probably not a good motorcycle helmet. That doesn't mean it's a bad helmet. It's actually fantastic for a car. It just doesn't, it's not taking the same testing at all. They're not designed for the same things. When you're in a car, you're in a cage. Whether you have a roll cage or not, the car has a physical exoskeleton. You don't have to worry about abrasion resistance in a car helmet. But you do have to worry about fire resistance in a car helmet, which you would never need in a motorcycle helmet. It's not often you're trapped next to a burning motorcycle. You're usually thrown from it. <laughs> very different circumstances. If you're lucky, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's very rare that you get a you know get burns in a motorcycle accident unless the exhaust pipe lands on you, which is a, gear is built for that as well. But with SA rating, it means specialty application. And so SA rating is what we use for car helmets. That's what you're looking for. And it covers three, three main things is impact resistance um, is measured in different places. So when they do the actual, they call it anvil testing, and it's literally like a different type of anvil that they, they drop the helmet on from a certain distance and from a certain, and it has to register a certain amount of G force Then it has fire resistance. Then you have a Hans device, which is that screw on the side you'll see. And then sometimes it has different ventilation, usually far less because you're in a controlled environment. Um, you don't need as much. You're not going to run into the same fogging problems. Th- this
1: is for the cars, right? This is for the cars. Yeah, yeah. that's why a lot of times you, you see oxygen systems that plug into yeah. The helmets. Yeah, and,
0: and even hydration systems yeah. and the comm systems. It's built differently for different kinds of comms inside the helmet. There's all sorts of different things you can have in that. And then uh, the iPort is physically smaller, too, because that makes the helmet stronger. You don't need as much of a visibility as you on a motorcycle, and the optical correction of the shield is now in focus, too. So because that eye port is smaller, you have a different focus. Um, In fact, and I tell people, when you're first getting your first car helmet, it's really tempting to buy the really cool Simpson Bandit that's been around forever, and it has, like, that's the one the the Stig uses. That's that's the real popular. That's actually called the Simpson Bandit. Really popular helmet. It's a terrible helmet for inside a car. You, you don't need a face shield inside of a car. You have a windshield, and so, like, unless you're a pro racer, it really doesn't offer that many benefits, and you just reduced your visibility. You actually want, like, a three-quarter shell, like, an Ariadne GP jet, or uh, Simpson has a bunch of really great open-face helmets. Our friends at Speedwear locally will sell you one.
1: So, so I don't need an open-face helmet, but what about my future career in F1? I mean, I mean that for—
0: <laughs> Yeah, if you race an open wheel, <laughs> <Yeah>. those aerodynamic <laughs> things are really going to come into play, you know, but uh, not so much when you've got a windshield on your local autocross day.
1: Well, and it's funny because, and this is something I bitch about all the time, because we'll, every once in a while, you and I will get together and we will go to K1 speed mm-hmm. and they have one helmet there that fits my head, unfortunately, <laughs> and the visor is broken yep. and it will not stay up. It, and I, I like to physically have to jam because the minute it goes down and in the, being inside it fogs up and I can't see, not that that's what's limiting me from winning, but um, <laughs> yeah. So,
0: yeah. And so the, the I port's a big one though. Uh, So there's a company called Snell. Snell is an independent company. It is not a government regulation. We have DOT. Uh, European has CE, I think it is, over there. There's a couple of other small fringe independent testing, but Snell is really the one we're going to talk about because that's the big one. And Snell rates car and motorcycle helmets very, very differently because, obviously, like I mentioned before, you don't need abrasion resistance in a car. You don't hold your head out the window while you're sliding down the window upside down. Like, hopefully you're strapped in and that never happens. That's awful, but that's just not something you worry about. In a motorcycle, if you're ejected from a motorcycle at speed, it is a it is a real problem that you will see road rash on a helmet. And it's like sandpaper on the side of a helmet. I've seen many, many times where that has happened. And because of that, that first initial impact on the ground, you get multiple impacts. If you look at a helmet that's been in a, a motorcycle crash, it's a one-time use thing. If you crash on a helmet, it's done, period. If you drop it, it is not that's a false that's a falsehood i've heard forever if you drop a helmet from like a I guess counter it
1: depends on where you're dropping it from yeah you yeah. drop it out of a plane or yeah. out of a building yeah, yeah it's yeah. done yeah. but
0: uh, dropping it off the side of a tel- the table onto cement your helmet is designed to take far more g's than that it is not going to ruin it it might chip the paint a little bit but dropping it off your motorcycle on the pavement not going to ruin it might Break the plastic side piece holding the face shield on, but that's that's okay.
1: And this this is something we're saying for anything from a skateboard helmet to yes. a mountain bike helmet yes. to anything. If you go through a crash with a helmet, even it's if done. you think you didn't hit your head, yeah,
0: you replace it. It's replace not worth your it. Helmet. Um, yeah. And if you look at a helmet that's been deconstructed after a crash, it's called an EPS liner, expanded po- ex- expanded polystyrene or styrofoam liner, basically yeah. that's in it. And it, they have different types of cell shapes inside. They're usually hexagonal. Um, those are made to compress a lot in a crash. Way more than you expect expect. We did a couple of times where I'd have customers that were nice enough to let me like literally saw their helmet in half after a crash. And you would see that thing div it in like an inch. You would never it did look totally fine on the inside. It looked like you yeah, a little kind of like you know when you uh, you pull uh, styrofoam apart and you can kind of see it break a little bit? Yeah. You'd see that on the inside a little bit, but then I'd cut it open and it would be like one inch depth between yeah, because the shell. Yeah,
1: you can't see the shell. Yeah, okay. The
0: shell compressed in, yeah. the, the, the expanded polystyrene liner, EPS liner, took that hit, absorbed it, and it didn't transfer it to their brain. So it worked awesome.
1: So it did its job. It did saying? its job, okay. but it was
0: definitely done because mm-hmm. now the, all that styrene is compressed and flat and it's lost its ability to absorb.
1: And the next time you hit on that spot, you're not, your brain it, is... You have no, and yeah.
0: you've compromised the shell because like I said before, really cheap helmets are plastic and they will have a memory where they they bounce in and out but good helmets that take a lot of that uh, shock are made from carbon and fiberglass and kevlar blends and things like that and they crack and they spider like a windshield you can't really see it into the paint but it's there once you start pulling it apart you'll see it so um, what snell does i want to go back to that topic what Snell does is in independent testing. So DOT t- uh, testing is actually pretty good. It's one of the few things our government does well is helmet crash testing. If football helmets had DOT helmets, uh, DOT ratings, they would actually probably be really improved.
1: There's been a lot of technology in, It's getting in better. Helmets, but yeah, in, uh, football helmets, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and so what Snell does is takes that quite a bit farther. And uh, DOT ratings also don't take the chin bar into effect. The chin bar on a DOT-rated helmet is considered a deflection device. So like you know those pop-up helmets where you can pull the chin bar up and over, none of those meet Snell. Because you, there's an, there's a chin bar test for a Snell helmet. Okay. You have Snell testing for the three-quarter helmets, but it, a, a full-face helmet with a removable uh, front shield won't pass Snell.
1: So, but it might pass DOT. It'll
0: pass DOT, but it won't, which is still a good rating. Okay. I don't, I'm not trashing on DOT helmets. Uh, there actually are pretty good DOT helmets out there that just haven't gone through Snell testing. But if you can, you should buy a Snell-rated helmet. It's quite a bit better. But that uh, there is an impact for the front. And there's a, a common misnomer I want to bring up. About that, they talk about it on the Snell side a little bit. Is that they say like I think seventy percent of impacts to helmets are to the front. That's a good scare tactic that people hear a lot. What seventy percent
1: usually are going forward? You're going forward for out. one, but you're
0: also getting hit in the face with bugs, rocks, things like that that are just coming up from vehicles. That's not what's going to kill you. <laughs> I mean, a bug in the face is going to hurt a lot. I've done it, but uh, so is a rock to the face. Don't get me wrong, but chances are that's probably not going to kill you on a motorcycle. The truck throwing the rock at you would probably kill you though. So anyway, when you worry about all that protection of hitting your face, there's a reason open fam- open face helmets still exist. I don't ride with one because getting hit in the face with bugs still hurts a lot, especially at even 30 miles an hour, let alone 60.
1: That's one thing I you and you have a, a more uh, dirt bike background, like and that mm-hmm. that that face helmet the, the helmet I have is is open is more of a motocross helmet. What I would think, yeah. And I always thought like. I didn't, I've not done a lot of off-road, but I'm thinking the one place where I, w- I don't want rocks thrown at my face is off-road <laughs> riding motorcycles. So I'm surprised there's not more full-faced off-road helmets.
0: Well, most dirt bike helmets are going to be full face now. There's, Almost but all I'm, of
1: them. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about, the typical, like what I have. Uh-huh. But, the, but that's not, and you can, you can put oh, goggles in there, yeah, but put I can still in. take a rock to the face there.
0: Yeah, it's not as it's not as often, though. I mean, I've gotten a lot of stuff thrown at my face behind dirt bikes. When you're hauling yeah. ass behind somebody and, you know, they, they roost it going up a hill, you're going to get just pelted with rocks in the front. But yeah. you've got so much body armor on, and those shields, they'll take quite a bit of damage in those.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, that's another good thing to talk about, though, is goggles versus shields. Um, if you guys have seen the latest trend in uh, dual sport helmets, actually, they're using, like, a, it looks like a dirt bike helmet, but it's got a flip-down shield, and it's got a visor on it. Visor is great for rain and shade when you're out there in a mix of conditions, but the visor still fog like crazy. You can get dual pane visors for most of those. For one,
1: give me a, a definition of a dual dual sport or dual purpose. Dual purpose said? is
0: going to be an adventure bike, uh, basically.
1: Uh, well, no, but I'm saying for a helmet, like so, it's going to be good for.
0: It's going to be. They, they're trying to find the perfect mix of a helmet that's good on the street and good on a good off road. Okay. The shields are going to be usually removable, so you can put in goggles if you want to primarily do that. But most people are switching between terrain a lot. Like, So if you're doing a bunch of fire, fire, forest service roads, you still have a bunch of ventilation coming in your helmet. You don't have to worry about fogging so much, so it's not as much of an issue. But if you're going off-road, you're going to be working really hard. You're going to be breathing really hard, and you're going to fog your helmet up really quick. One of the solutions to that, a real popular one, is getting a dual-pane lens. Um, a lot of systems use what's called a pin lock system. They have pins on the inside. People used to think pins on the outside for tear-offs. When you get a bunch of mud, you can do a quick tear-off, and then you've got a clear shield again. But a pin lock system allows you to put another uh, another shield basically on the inside. And by dual layering the lens, it works just like a dual pane window. So you get a no fog system in there. And you can add it with something called – there's a bunch of companies that make them. Fog City is a, an example of where you just stick it on the inside and eliminates the fogging. Anyway. Um, but
1: those outside shields, we, I, we see them in F1 all the time when they come in and they pull, they pull a, a shield yeah. off. But that's more for bugs and crap yep. like that. Yeah. Uh
0: tear-offs. So I, used to, used to, I used to put one on my street helmet and just leave it there and then like – you know, I'd go for a long ride or something. I just pull it off and throw it away, just because it was easier than carrying glass cleaner with me. You do have a lot of luggage room on a sport bike. Probably cheaper too. Yeah. yeah. The downside I wanted to bring those up though for is uh, you lose visual clarity. Um, so if you have a dual pane lens, you're looking through dual dual lenses. And companies, any good helmet manufacturer that has a, a shield on a helmet has uh, studied it for optical clarity at distance. So it measures the average distance between your face and the shield, and it allows you to look through it side to side without getting a fishbowl effect. If you've ever seen in your life an armored vehicle, they have really, really thick windshields because they're made to take bullet blasts. They're a pain to see out of because as you look sideways, you're looking through such thick glass that the optical distortion increases. Same happens. Same thing happens in motorcycle helmets, but it can be worse because you get different glares on the inside. And so when you add one of those fog inserts, you can lose that. Still, if I have to choose fog and a little bit of distortion, I'll take a little bit of distortion every time.
1: Yeah. Over clarity. Yeah. Over clarity, yeah. Yeah.
0: Another reason why you don't need one inside of a car, though. By the way, you don't need a fog, <laughs> you don't need a shield inside of a car if you got a windshield.
1: Which is funny because you think you look at motorsport and so many of like the NASCAR guys and stuff, they're running shields inside their cars. Yep, but uh, they also have ventilation. She- they their ventilation hydration comms, all that too.
0: Yeah, well, they're also I think they're running polycarbonate windshields too. So oh, that's okay. another thing too. So I mean, but I mean, I'm talking about like your your amateur guys doing an amateur track day. You know, you're just gonna take your Porsche out to SIR. You're going to be more comfortable in a three-quarter helmet <laughs> every time.
1: Well, and, and that's something, too, that I, we didn't really talk about, but has come up before is, you know, if you're going to go out and buy a good in-car helmet, you need to make sure you have that car with you. I've seen many people that have went out and <laughs> bought the perfect helmet, and then they don't fit in their car.
0: Yeah, that's uh, a... <laughs> Everybody with a Huracan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're over five six mm-hmm. and you own a Huracan, you're not putting a helmet on.
1: You're scraping the roof. But, but it's it's little things like this that you don't think of, and you're like, yeah, I got the best helmet. I'm ready to race. Oh, I'm I'm going to be a crooked neck the whole day.
0: Yeah, so. any early or any early Japanese car, like mm-hmm. they're still small. I mean, I remember getting in my S2000 and my RX7 and feeling like, oh, this car fits me perfectly. And like, unless I grew to six <laughs> two, it's like.
1: So it's probably not a good idea for the average person to go online these days or to Amazon or, or these, and, and buy a helmet offline because you're buying a helmet that you, you need to really go in and, and talk to a specialist and it's and have it sized.
0: Once you know what you've got, you're pretty good to go. But the return policy on helmets is not generous. Nobody wants to take back a used helmet. There's a high liability in that. So they're going to want all the tags on it, and usually there's a tag on the D-rings, on the chin strap. You have D-rings, which are, is a very secure method for a helmet, by the way. And uh, if there's, if you pull that D ring out, it'll pop that little plastic tag. It usually has like some little like product tag on it, but that's how they know. That's how I used to do it. (laughs) So I'd know if somebody bought a helmet, because I'd measure them in the store and have them try it on. And then once they agreed to it, I'd be like, all right. And then I would only take a helmet back if it was defective, which I think maybe happened once in (laughs) five years. So
1: interesting. Yeah. Like I said, you're such, you have such the knowledge base on this and the fact that I, I, I haven't had much experience. And that's probably why I'm now have a helmet that doesn't fit me.
0: I'm a stickler on helmets just because I've seen when when helmets don't fit correctly, the danger goes up exponentially. Usually, and most people buy too big. Very rarely do people buy too small of a helmet. Almost everybody buys too big of a helmet, though. I've never, I've never had that
1: problem. Right. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Or they just buy one that doesn't fit their face right. And that's, that's a, actually another great topic. Uh, a lot of people have different head shapes, uh, especially, yeah, based on where you're from or your ethnicity, you might have, uh, like... They, Arai actually has, uh, they have a round shape and they have a long oval and they have uh, different face shapes and the, the whole shell is shaped differently. We used to call it the signet and the, uh, the quantum back in the day, but it's just uh, a more round or long oval. And that's a big deal. Like not everybody's built the same and helmet manufacturers have thought of this, at least the good ones. And uh Shoei's another good one, Swami, Bell, like they've all thought of this. They have different head shapes. And if you want, you know, but it, you won't know until you go in because a medium is not a medium is not a medium. It varies from manufacturer to manufacturer. And so uh, going to any shop that knows it's salt will be able to tell, usually by looking at you if they've been there for more than a year, because helmets are the first thing you buy when you buy a motorcycle, but also car helmets do. So and especially when you're wearing a, the thing with a car helmet, though, is most people aren't wearing a car helmet for hours and hours on end unless they're a pro racing driver and they have more than enough <laughs> experience to know what helmet fits them. But motorcycle riders will ride for you know in a day. They might go for a weekend ride, and that two three hours will turn into a real bad headache if your helmet is the wrong shape for your head. You'll get these pressure points, and the side of your head is usually where I see it, and or actually the worst is in the front. That'll give you a migraine. So, I had no idea. So much into it.
1: Well, I mean, I think people think it's just so simple. It's like I just need a helmet. I just need. I'm a medium. My hats are mediums. I'm going to buy a medium helmet. But I mean, I know for a fact, like I have. I have lovely chubby cheeks, and that is, <laughs> that is part of my issues with that claustrophobia. In that, even if, even in that that helmet, been the fact that there's tons of airflow because I'm not using goggles, but it still feels
0: yeah. For mountain biking, you don't typically need goggles. I mean, a yeah. lot of guys do, but I mean, for just a run around doothy or something, yeah. I certainly didn't want them. I would have been fogged up and. I was hot enough just from that work. <laughs> yeah, it takes a little bit to get to Doofy, yeah. <laughs> Not just getting there. I mean, just riding around over. No, I meant like, a getting to
1: the to the park from the parking lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, it was a good time, yeah. but
0: man. Um, that's actually a, a good call-out, though. You were talking about how it fit your face yeah. and how it felt claustrophobic. So there's actually a plus side to that, which is worth pointing out. So the more round you can make a shell, including the chin bar, the stronger it is.
1: This is like trying to... Cr- crush an, an egg in your hand kind of thing right that, that, that's such a uh, it's they're fragile but in when the strength of it are, yeah okay exactly
0: so a long chin bar does a lot of different things uh it does allow more room for breathing but a good a well-ventilated chin bar that's close which means the front section of it is really good at expelling your breath very easily won't be as much of a problem it'll actually in the cheek pads as long as they fit it'll actually be more comfortable one of the big things is you're putting the weight farther back too so if you have, uh, I see this a lot in cheaper helmets again, again, cause they're trying to use the same size shell. So they'll make the chin bar longer. So your face fits in more of the more different shell sizes, but you get like this weight in front of you. You don't really notice it at first, but two or three hours into a ride, you're really going to feel that weight pulling you down, pulling your neck. Down. Cause yeah. as you look forward, you remember you're leaning forward for a lot of your ride as you accelerate that weight really adds up. And six ounces is a huge difference in a helmet. You Don't notice it at first, but you really will after an hour. um, one of the things I tell people when they put on a helmet or I used to put my hand up in the middle with one finger and I'd find the dead center of the helmet. And if it was a good helmet, it would just spin like a basketball around my hand because it was fully, it was balanced. The center of the helmet was balanced around the the shell and where your head would fit into it as deepest point. A cheap helmet will always fall forward because that weight out on the chin bar, You'll, you'll just watch it, and I could do it every single time. I'm like, here's what you're paying for. One, it's a pound lighter. Two, it's balanced, and it's not going to give you a headache after an hour. And and three, it's made for better components. It's way lighter. So. At
1: the end of the day, you want to be comfortable. These are safety devices. so
0: Yeah, and that's just it. Like I was saying earlier, the price point typically reflects it, unfortunately. Uh, you do get what you pay for. I had the very distinct advantage of buying a lot of things at employee cost, and I or getting sponsored by the company They'd, here, try this helmet out, try this helmet. And one of the things I did a lot is I would take the demo helmets out and I'd go for a ride and I'd see how it sounded and how the vents worked and how the shield mechanism worked and, you know, just what fit my head best. And that was a, a, a distinct advantage I had over customers, but it gave me a lot of uh, real world feedback with them. It's like, I'd go take the, take one for a weekend. Like, Oh, here's what I did. Like, here's what I didn't like. Sometimes the really fancy, beautiful racing helmet that you're admiring on the shelf is obnoxiously loud <laughs> Because it's made for maximum ventilation, and you just get so much wind
1: buffeting, let's talk about that. Let's talk about ventilation. Mm-hmm. I mean do i do I need ventilation? I mean, do I I mean, how many vents do I need? I, I also look at it in a simpleton going, the more vents they cut in it, <laughs> the less padding there is, and maybe the less secure the helmet is, maybe.
0: So the vent size on a motorcycle helmet is more about how efficiently they deliver air into the vent. Um, so they're typically really, really small. Like, if you look at them, I mean, in standard sizes, like a quarter of an inch, they're really, or a half inch at most. Chin bar one's going to be much bigger. But all the rest of the helmet are just these little tiny holes punched in. And the vent shapes are really fancy because they're trying to, cram a ton of air into it but think of it like a hose though you only get much water you can't get you know you matter how much water pressure you put into it you're only getting a certain amount out no matter, sure. there is a yeah. limit because of the size so more holes more ventilation is the trade-off for more noise though so do you want more ventilation almost always yes even here where it's cold it's the first hot day we get you'll be glad you had it because you will bake in the sun in a helmet in fact they tell most people to get a white helmet unless <laughs> If especially if they're new because they reflect a lot more heat.
1: But Dan, I want the Troy Lee Troy Lee designed one that has the dragon on it. Right, and that's for my that, inner my inner creature.
0: Well, this is a good thing to talk about with mountain bike helmets <laughs> though, or bike helmets in general, because they're the the speeds are much lower. They're going to have they have totally different rating systems, and so there's a ton of vents and holes in them uh-huh. because you're going a lot slower. So you want as much venting as possible, but you're also going to a lot lower speed. You know, bike helmet isn't made to go 150 miles an hour. A motorcycle helmet is, at least a sport helmet, I should say, and so. Do you want ventilation? Almost always, yes. But there's usually like um, I say, there's a sweet spot, like on the monkey, not as much of a big deal. I want venting that works really well at low speed. Um, I have a full face helmet, even on even on the monkey. People have seen it. It's an Arai. Uh, what is it? It's a Renegade. What is it called? I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, it's a basic Arai full face helmet. Nice helmet. I've had it for. Ooh, I'm coming up on the shelf right now. I think I've had it for six years. Good topic, we're going to move on to next. I was going to, that was going to be my next question. Uh, But even that, like even now, I have my vents open and it helps me with uh, fogging. And it also, like, sometimes you're just sitting there and you get warm because I've got all this gear on. And if even when it's 40 degrees, I have really good uh, insulated layers underneath, but I can still get warm. And so it's nice to be able to expel that heat out.
1: Do you have a movable visor on that one? Yeah. Okay. In
0: fact, it has two positions. Uh, So, a nicer helmets typically have a two-position visor. It's they have like a, either a, a mechanism on the side or a little button you don't really notice, but it allows you to click it up and still keep it locked. Technically, you have to have some kind of eye protection when you ride. It's against the law to ride without eye protection. So that can be sunglasses. A lot of uh, a lot of name brand sunglasses meet impact ratings, but uh, you have to have your visor down when you ride. You can stop with it up. And look around, but you have as soon as you start moving, that visor has to be down.
1: So, you can't have it f- cracked.
0: You can have it cracked a little bit. I mean, most people aren't going to give you any trouble for it, but if you're being a jerk and they want a reason to write you a fat ticket, they can.
1: I see people driving around all the time with their visors up. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh,
0: but yeah, but tr- uh, I wouldn't because even a tiny little bug, like yeah. a tiny gnat in your eye, hurts like crazy when you're standing still, let alone at 20 miles an hour. Like I said, yeah. it doesn't take a lot. But they have a little position that clicks about not even a quarter of an inch up, but it has just enough air to come into the visor and defog it almost instantly, it gives you a little more room to breathe. And then like uh, a couple of helmets, I think Arias, actually. now I take it back, has it patented. They have an eyebrow vent system. It's like right above the visor and it, it just ram air straight into the helmet. The reason that works is because it's not in the shell. And uh, so they don't have to drill into the shell to do it. So they can actually ram air through the visor a little bit. So
1: it's built in a clever the visor. design. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: So yeah. So the ventilation is through the top of the visor, just up above your line of vision.
1: So uh, I buy a helmet. Uh, I never crash on it. It's good for the rest of my life. <laughs> Seven years. That's 7 years at the most. Are you trying to tell me that the foam inside these helmets is not stable, Dan? <laughs> I'm telling you exactly okay. that. Uh,
0: I if I'm being honest with everybody, I honestly believe a really good quality helmet will last you an easy 10 years, a really good quality helmet, but
1: with on, no crashes. With
0: no crashes. And most manufacturers, most high-end manufacturers, when we rephrase that, will say 7 years, and most cheaper cheaper helmets there is pretty much a strict price point at that. It seems to be about the mid threes. That's kind of what I consider a cheaper helmet. Those are about five years at max. And that's, you'll see them break down on the inside.
1: That's because you can buy two of them for the price of really one right. really good one.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it, what happens is it's actually not the, it's not the EPS. It's not the, the shell. It's actually the bonding agent between them will break down. And that foam will become detached from the inside of the helmet. And same with the foam that's in the comfort padding. So it's not usually the EPS will hold up. It's plastic. It lasts forever. EPS is still styrofoam is still plastic. It lasts until they're at gone. And same with the shell being uh, they have UV stabilized paint. So you don't have to worry about that. The shell, Then the shields are UV blocking as well. That They've all thought of that. But the glue and the, the comfort liner usually come apart. Hmm. So, okay. um, and then, yeah, I was going to say, I, I honestly think if you've got a really good helmet, you've kept it indoors, you don't, you're not dropping it. You've taken good care of it. I'm just gonna say, I will stand. I take mine at 10 years. I mean, my helmets look brand new still, and that's because like I never put them away dirty. I always clean the liners. Like if I'm sweaty in my helmet, I pull out the liner and I hand wash it. I mean, like I don't let that stuff go bad or replace it as it gets old. Like most good helmets, you can still buy the liner for even 10 years later.
1: And when you're talking about the liner, you're talking about new pads or are you talking Yeah, new
0: cheek pads, new the there's a, another liner, a comfort liner they call it. That's the the liner between the the styrofoam and your head. And okay. That you can usually be replaced and it's usually really easy to hand wash. You just soak it in the sink with a little detergent, keep rinsing it out. It's good as new.
1: Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, see? Learn something new every day. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um the other thing I am going to talk about with helmets is the D-rings and the enclosure. So there's a thing called a quick release for a helmet. It's still metal on metal contact. It is not as secure as a D-ring. There's a million tests out there to prove it. That said, I don't tell people that they're doing something inherently dangerous. If you're on a dirt bike or something like that, you're not at high speed, I've never, ever in my life seen one of these fail. Ever. I've seen the testing fail. I've never actually seen one fail in person.
1: And when we're talking D rings, it, it's your classic. You, t- you take a, a piece of uh, what is it's it? It's nylon. It's nylon. And like it a seatbelt. It goes through two things that are D rings. Yep. And you loop, th- you loop back and un- go through. over one of them and and back through the other one.
0: Yep. Yeah. And it's a very secure enclosure when you're putting on your helmet. Those things are riveted to the shell. And so when you put on your helmet, you would grab each side of those straps. And instead of grabbing the shell, I've seen a lot of new people do this, so I want to point it out, even with automotive helmets. Don't feel bad if you don't know how to do this. Ask somebody. It's not that hard. Grab those straps. Pull them apart as far as you can. You cannot rip those out of the helmet. If you can, you've got a lot bigger problems to worry about with your helmet. Yeah. But Hercules can't pull those out of the helmet. Pull that as wide as you can and pull that helmet over your head way easier. I've seen guys, like, try and grab the cheek pads or lift the visor up. If you're new, this is totally common. This is not – you just don't – you haven't done, had an experience in it yet, so –
1: and I will say this, D-rings work really well to the point where sometimes when you want to get the helmet off and they do not want to agree with you. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you've got gloves on. Moment. Yeah, it's like, I, <laughs> I need this helmet off now because I need to breathe. And
0: you know, Yeah, exactly, that claustrophobia. Which also um, means I have the wrong helmet. But yeah. yeah, A <laughs> great check for people who buy the wrong size helmet. I tell people to tighten their D-rings comfortably to where they would normally wear it, then try and take the helmet off, usually from the back. If it's too big, you'll be able to pull that helmet right off. Even by one size, there's, it's, pretty, it's amazing how much just two centimeters of difference can make in somebody. But from a, a medium to large, like if I'm, I'm actually a medium in the top, I, most people think I'm, I'm a large in a lot of uh, bicycle helmets for some reason. They don't fit as well. But um, Bicycle people are small.
1: <laughs>
0: so we've noticed. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, if the helmet's too big, you can usually pull it off or it'll be almost come off. And a helmet that fits will not almost come off unless you've pulled the D-ring, like, physically undone it.
1: And there are secondary uh, snaps, too. You can go through D-rings, and some helmets will have, like, it's, it's a plastic strap, but mm-hmm. it basically just stops it from flapping around. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, I've so most good helmets will have, like, a little a snap or someplace to tuck the, the thing into. <laughs> Yeah, I've had track days where that's come out, and that starts whipping you in the chin oh. at like 150 miles an hour, and it it's like being whipped. Yeah, it's
1: not <laughs> it fun. so bad. In your windpipe, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, well, it's time for our next break, and we'll talk more about some Avant stuff coming up that you should be a part of, and a little bit more about motorcycle stuff. We'll be right back.
1: Grandpa, what do you call this thing again?
0: It's a 66 Ford Bronco.
1: I think you got ripped
0: off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars.
1: We're back. Okay, so... I think that a lot of times, you know, this happens in the automotive world, the biking world, anything. You go into a shop and you think that, oh, I'm, I'm at a reputable shop that in my mind, so therefore they're going to know what to sell me. When, I'm go, when I am go in to buy a, a helmet, let's say from, from a motorcycle, what's the first thing, what are the things they should be asking me? What's the first thing they should, you know?
0: I'll walk you through the spiel because I did the same thing every single time. And it wasn't because I was trying to upsell, it because I wanted to know my customer and what was going to work for them. And That was the equivalent of how I made most of my sales is knowing my customers and fitting their needs and not upselling them. It's like, this is what you need, not this. Here's why. The first thing I ask them, even if a customer tells me I want this helmet and this size, the first thing I'm going to do is tell them I need to measure them. No matter what, I will not sell a helmet to somebody without measuring them ever. Because like I said, almost everybody I ran into was wearing the wrong size. I just had the wrong size cheek pads. And two, I'll ask them what they're riding. Somebody comes into me at a motorcycle shop and says, I want a, you know, rx 7 Corsair which is a rise top of the line helmet. So you can like $800 plus helmet. I'm like awesome. What are you riding? My first assumption is they're going to be doing a hell of a lot of track days.
1: And it better be the words Ducati or Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm early am expecting that. Some people just want the best helmet they can afford. Nothing wrong with that, but yeah. I'm going to tell them the downside. But if somebody comes in and says, "Oh, I'm riding a monkey." I'm going to be like Okay, I mean, st- that's still going to work great for you. You would have
1: laughed in the past, but now you're not laughing. Right, yeah. It, okay. yeah,
0: I would have been like, okay, that's cool. Sure. But I mean, if they, if they said, you know, oh, I'm, I'm riding this bike, and I'm like, okay, cool, that's still a fine helmet. You want the nicest helmet you can buy because you want the lightest helmet with the best ventilation, I understand. The next question I'm going to ask them is, knowing that bike doesn't go above 60 miles an hour... <laughs> Period <laughs> with me on it anyway. You drop it
1: out of an airplane; it wouldn't go. Fast yeah, 60, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, it might yeah. do
0: sixty-five with a really light rider on it, but that's it. The second thing I to ask them is, do you need the? No, do you want the no-fog insert? And they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. I guess it ventilates really well. I said, I'm but not
1: going to ride this bike in the fog. I'm good. <laughs>
0: right <laughs> right. we're good yeah it's like, but when you're averaging city speeds on a motorcycle you just have more breath you're going to fog up easier it's as simple as that and we live in a really wet environment so even on a dry day there's could be a ton of moisture in the air and it's going to fog up and so i'm like here spend this extra 30 bucks never worry about fog ever again they'll be like oh thanks i didn't think of that
1: I have a question that came up in my mind that kind of back to what we said before. You were talking about the fact that you have to ride with a full face helmet when you're riding. Does that nope. depend on or when you're on, when you're moving on a motor? You just have
0: to have a, you have to have eye protection. Eye protection. Okay. That's it.
1: That's yeah. why we see all these people on Vespas out there with these these
0: goggles, sunglasses. What, are, what is it called? It's I mean it's just bubble a, shield.
1: Bu- no, it's not a bubble shield. It's they have no visor on. It's just it's just a helmet that goes yeah. over their head but there's no chin there's no Yeah,
0: you know it's a, that's typically you can a half shell for the Harley okay. guys a three quarter the half shell ones can still meet DOT they they drop down and they look really bulbous. so if you see like a really minimal half shell it's typically a fake one it's a not a fake one it's a, a novelty helmet they call them with a DOT sticker on it no cop falls for that by the way
1: Are you saying that the ones from Sons <laughs> of Anarchy aren't good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Yeah, and so but yeah, you have to have eye protection but you don't have to have a full face helmet. I mean, the novelty of a three quarter helmet. There's nothing wrong with that. I actually like riding with a bubble shield. It's actually a really comfortable way to ride. You just have so much more vision. You have downward vision. You feel less claustrophobic. It's kind of nice.
1: You've always wanted to be a fish, so I mean, that's, that's the, thing. <laughs> I was, the thing I've known about you for a long time. Okay, Yeah, I don't know why that just popped in my head, but okay.
0: Yeah, Bell makes actually a really good bubble visor, and they're not all made the same. Cheap ones scratch really easy. That's what you're paying for. Uh, a lot of cheap shields, you'll see aftermarket shields even popular helmets. They'll get, uh, but they all scratch really easy, and they're they they are not worth crap. It's worth paying the money for good optics, especially on a motorcycle helmet. And like
1: you said before, take care of your, your equipment and it will we'll take care of you. Exactly. Yeah, okay.
0: uh, and in the car world, you can get uh, quite a few helmets have like a half drop-down visor that's tinted. That's a really nice way to go.
1: You mean the Earnhardt? The, yeah. The Dale Earnhardt? The Earnhardt, Earnhardt yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're yeah. thinking of is Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. But
0: uh, yeah, I've got one for my, my car racing helmet, and it's uh, just a little tiny one. It, it allows you just to tilt your head a little bit forward and block out that sun if you get it in your eyes, and then you can pop it up real quick. So that's a great thing to look yeah. out for.
1: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, people want to be, I didn't mean to get us up topic there, but I mean, you want to make sure that, that, that if they're not asking you these questions, first of all, if they're not asking you these questions, that's telling you something right there. Yeah. That you may not be dealing with somebody who's experienced. I mean, I, I would happens, say if you're but, buying
0: a helmet and they don't offer to measure you, at least they, that's a big red flag that the person selling you the helmet might not know as much as you do. <laughs> Uh, I, I just think it it's irresponsible more than you think. Yeah, it's irresponsible. Every helmet manufacturer out there hands you free tape. If you uh, measuring tape, if you work at a store, trust me. And in COVID, it might be a little different because we don't want to be touching each other. But it's such an important thing to do. And it's such a little step that will make your life so much more comfortable. And you can get the right thing the first time. You know, nobody wants to spend six, 700 bucks on a high quality helmet. That is too big you come out a year, you know, or even a month later after wearing it and you've been sweating in it. And that's when things start to break down and pad out. And all of a sudden you've got this wobbly helmet on your head. That's super loud and isn't safe. And I've seen it happen.
1: Makes riding so much fun.
0: Yeah. And I will say there are exceptions to this rule. I've definitely come across people with different head shapes and things where they measure into a large and it doesn't quite fit just because of the way their head is shaped. It happens, but that's probably one out of a thousand people I worked with. And I worked with, several thousand. I had several thousand customers over the years and like maybe one out of a thousand fell into that. Probably not that special.
1: I was going to say what we can do and and kind of follow up to this is obviously I'm going to need to buy a new helmet before Mm -hmm. when I eventually find my monkey. And we can kind of document the process because I have a feeling I'm going to be one of those heads that is not normal. I mean, I've been told that all my whole life. You're not covered.
0: I dealt plenty of people with large. That's my point.
1: Like just to kind of, we, we can kind of show people how it's done yeah
0: yeah and we'll talk about other gear too i'm hoping to get some more specialists i know a couple of good people in the motorcycle industry still that i can get in here to talk about not just salesmen it's dealerships but in the industry there's a the Arai rep back in the day bruce was his name i'll never forget that dude knew more about helmets and testing than anybody in the whole world he was world renowned for being the go-to guy to be like he'd look at a helmet after it had been crashed and he could tell you where it failed and where wasn't it even i mean in his own he was working on you know working for orry so of course he's biased but i learned more from him about how things fail on helmets and how they test them and why they test them in certain places than anybody else so there's some good interesting people and resources I should a
1: lot to of fun stuff actually you can find on youtube of watching helmet testing i mean and it's yeah. and like you said the anvil testings as far as dropping things on them putting a, a weighted head in them and dropping them mm-hmm. like i mean it's it's kind of interesting
0: yeah, and one thing I do want to warn people of is exotic materials do cost more, but they don't always equal a better helmet. The way carbon fiber is woven and the way it's laid and the way it shape is shaped into the helmet makes a big difference on how effective it is. Kind of like when you looked at really old carbon fiber on a hood of a, you know, the cheap carbon fiber hood for the Civic was paper thin and garbage. I've seen plenty of helmets out there that are fiberglass or polycarbonate with carbon over the top, so they look pretty. They're actually heavier than fiberglass helmets, and they don't work as well. So uh, a fiberglass helmet can be even safer than some carbon helmets. It's all the way how it's laid in the resin and how it's molded. So don't be be too fooled by how pretty a helmet looks. I will say they often do clearly look nicer. (laughs) When you look at a really high-quality helmet, you'll get better paint jobs and things like that. But the material, like you see these beautiful woven carbon helmets, they may not be lighter, they may not be stronger, but they may look really cool.
1: You're telling me that it's not important to make sure that my helmet matches my suit, it matches my bike, <laughs> matches my boots? That's the way, I, that, I feel safe if everything matches.
0: I met a lot of people <laughs> over the years into motorcycles who were more into the look than the riding. Of course. And it was, it's it's funny how much that happens, way more than people think. There were guys who will spend thousands on gear and motorcycles and ride 500 miles a year.
1: I I truly get the kick out of it and... I I'm sure I've, I've been it. I've been that person in life, but you know, oh, you're, so you're, right. driving, you're driving through Kirkland or something like that. And you see somebody, you know, and they've got, you can hear the Ducati coming and you, they get up that next to you and they're lit. teetering and they, they've got the, the red helmet and the red jump, the red jacket and mm-hmm. the red boots. And they're, and you're gone. And that's, and you can tell they've been on the bike for 15 minutes. It's like,
0: yep. <laughs> I used to have a thing, a, a sort of a sales pitch I did back in the day, which had no affiliation. I didn't get paid for this, but, uh, I used to tell people, I would send them to a track day at uh, Pacific This uh, the Ridge didn't exist yet back then. And I told them, I said, you know, I think a track day back then with instruction, not like a go ride, but an instruction day, I think was 300 bucks or something like that. It wasn't that much money. But I told them, I said, if you go and do that track day and spend the money, the 300 bucks, and if you don't think it's the best experience you've had, this is new rider. So older riders, I would still encourage, but if it's a new rider, I'd say, if you don't think this is the best money you've ever spent on a bike, then I will pay for that track day. And this is the time I was only making like two grand a paycheck at most. And that was in like my high commission rates, because this is a long time ago. And every single time they would come back and thank me. Never once did I have a customer not come back and thank me for doing that. No, so after what, they
1: bought a new bike.
0: After they bought a new bike. Yeah. And it didn't matter what they were riding. If dual sport, bagger, Harley, didn't matter. So they, they, these guys don't, you're not going out there to learn to race. You're going out there to learn to ride. And there's the DOT course, the safety course, which is kind of a crock now. It wasn't at the time. At the time, it was great. It was actually a really good course. Now it's three angry guys who don't really want to be there, not getting paid crap and not really teaching anybody and caring about their clients. So that said, it's more important than ever to go do these track days. And again, these are not drag your knee track days. This is how to handle your motorcycle at speed. And anytime it's great because every time you're out there and you think you're fast, that instructor will come up next to you on the outside of the turn with his knee down, going, "Hey, you need to do this. You're not doing this quite right." And you're like, a "I handle am... off the handle, yeah," and yeah, like yeah. pointing as you're yeah. like, "I'm doing <laughs> as fast as I've ever gone in my life." And you're like, "Oh, I'm slow." slow. <laughs> I'm still.
1: It's like it's like
0: being that in a track day a in a car with an instructor for the first time. Yeah. You like think you're fast, and then they take over. and You're like, "I am so slow."
1: <laughs> they do it in your car. Yep. Yeah.
0: But a new rider, like It does not matter what you're riding. It you could be take a monkey out there, and they will laugh and have a great time with you, and you will still have the time of your life.
1: That, and you, you brought up something about these, these motorcycle courses. Do your research on these courses. Yeah. There are a few out there because there are a few locally that have some issues.
0: Yeah. The beginning rider course to get your endorsement is a good first step. It is not what you go do to learn how to be a skilled rider. It is your very first step. You should, If you have your own bike and it's a small bike, bring it. Do not bring a large bike. It's a pain in the ass if you just bought a new starter bike and it's a large bike. You're going to have a hard time with a course like that. Ride their little crappy rebels or their groms.
1: And if you, haven't, if you haven't bought a bike yet and you're thinking about buying a bike and you want to do the thing first, go to a bike store and talk to somebody that's knowledgeable to figure out what type of bike you should be riding so that when you show up to these courses, a lot of times they will sit there and they will try to tell you what bike you should be riding during the course.
0: And they're usually wrong.
1: And they're usually wrong and they give you bikes that are broken and, and don't work well, and so. they
0: wonder why you can't do it well because only the yeah. clutch doesn't work on that one but yeah. you'll figure it out
1: yeah <laughs> you missed that by a second but the bike's faulty
0: so. yeah the bike's falling apart but don't worry about that yeah yeah anyway i, I highly recommend the allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so the independent track days are worth their weight in gold, and you will have a blast. Like It is really, really fun to get on the track for the first time on any bike. And, and I
1: it, would assume that some of these places that you're buying bikes from have some deals or things yep. that they can, they, they're doing. You can new, almost always get a discount. Days, yeah. yeah, You
0: just ask when you buy a new bike. Say you want to do a new rider track day with, I don't know who's out there now. I think it's I think too fast to sell around. But there's another one. I know the Ridge has their own school, and by the way, better track than Pacific for riding a motorcycle on, in my opinion. Okay. Um, both are great, though. But anyway, uh ask for that, have the time of your life. And like I said, it does not matter if you just bought a new Harley or you bought a dual sport. I mean, obviously, actually, there is a dirt bike school out there now that I mentioned it. So if you've got a dirt bike, you can do that just like our friends at fluid ride with a mountain bike. Again, training is the best thing you will ever do on a bicycle, motorcycle or car.
1: Well, the money you spend will save you in the in the long run. It'll it'll make you a better rider, and, and it will maybe you'll be able to avoid an accident. You know. Yeah,
0: I was going to say that's the thing with like a, an auto course. Same kind of thing applies, but it's the results are so much more dramatic on a motorcycle because the margin of error is so much smaller. Like you can kick out the ass end of a car, and the traction control will kick in. Some bikes have traction control, but it'll kick in and save you when you've done something stupid. But a lot of the times, you're on a motorcycle, you end up at a high side, you get thrown off the road or into something. Totally different.
1: <laughs> the high speed wiggles. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I will say any any road course I've ever done has made me a better driver on the road. As far as you know, yeah. on a track, but it's just it's little things that you think won't translate, but they do.
0: Yeah, so. exactly, and. It's funny, I'm fighting all my motorcycle habits on the mountain bike now. Ah, yes. Oh, man, I'm like, what do I do with my feet? You mean <laughs> those movable pegs you <laughs> yeah. have to have? Yeah, okay. Oh my yeah, My riding position is, I, I thought about that ahead of time, so my riding position wasn't as bad because I watched the videos ahead of time on like how to correct that, so I was far more aware of that. But now I'm like, I don't know what to do with my feet <laughs> at all.
1: <laughs> I'm used to just holding them and hitting I'm, them, <laughs> the things. I'm not used to these things moving. Well, uh, yeah.
0: in motorcycle boots, that's like a whole other show, but like, they're so armored off-road boots so it's just a bunch of exposed heavy plastic and steel toes and things like that. So, like, when you ride through something tight, you don't care if you hit your feet. Like, they're so armored, you just, they either knock your feet back or you just knock it out of the way. Even if it's a giant log, you just, you don't hurt your feet that much if you've got the right gear. But on a mountain bike, you drag your pedal and you hit your foot and you're like, "Wee!" off the bike.
1: The bike <laughs> or the bike sits and picks up. Yeah, and pivots, yeah. yeah. i am like, that. yeah, yeah, many yeah. yeah. <laughs> time. Well, good. I, th- I mean, I think that's, I mean, you know, like like we said before, we're, we're kind of starting to rebrand this and we wanted to kind of talk about this. It's something that Dan and I are getting uh, farther and farther into um, and enjoying, um, not just the off-roading, but uh, uh, let's make a transition to another one of our great sponsors, Avance, and what's going on with them.
0: Yep. So we had such an awesome time on this. The last event was the Sunday, the 7th amazing time. Like like I said, I love seeing the stories afterwards. If you guys have not seen the stories on avance.com or go to the Facebook page and join Avance and you'll see how just insanely happy people are at that event. It's hilarious to watch people that have never done it before. People have never gotten their cars dirty before. It doesn't matter what you're driving. It's giant kids. Yeah. It, it's like being a kid driving again. in
1: circles. The you don't get circles. Yeah, yeah.
0: And Avance track days are kind of the same way where people come back and they've never had it before. This is what Avance really catered after. I have been off-roading my entire life, and it is a riot to go to the off-road event. If you've never been off-roading before, it is a riot to go to the off-road event.
1: (laughs) Well, somebody said to me, "I don't know why I want to go out and drive around in the same circle." I have never taken the same path on that course. I mean, it's a simple, and the course is changing. The more people that take the course, the course changes, which is kind of interesting. And we're at the point now where the course is a lot of that bark has come off the main, the main, uh, and drags we'll say, and you're getting down to some different textures and trying to figure out, you know, you know. We, we we've had there's so, we've had what Porsches out there doing it. We've mm-hmm. had stock Subaru Foresters that w- got stuck a little bit. In my car, a Miata. We've, we had we had a Miata <laughs> this weekend, um, which was really cool to see. Yeah, awesome um, work, Jacob. I mean, tons of, of Land Cruisers and 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 Lexus and and we had we had a, we had a Range Rover uh, Autobiography <laughs> this weekend. Uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. He kind of went nuts on, but um, yeah, so. <laughs> really so um, jump? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I do now. I have video of it. Um it's uh if you think your car can't do it, I mean we had a front wheel drive Volksw- uh, Volkswagen Passat or Jetta Jetta wagon. Wagon was out there. I mean it really is it it teaches you especially in the Pacific Northwest where you could go up in some some you know fire roads and and be okay. Yeah,
0: and yeah. if you have no gear, come. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like this is that time where you can get your feet wet or your Card muddy yeah. and not worry about getting stuck and, and being your w- feet wet. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. your feet wet. So yeah. yeah, wear waterproof boots, not shoes. I would recommend boots. But yeah. also, like you're going to meet new cool people, and it is fun just to be a spectator. Even if you're like, I'm not really into this. Come out, go sign with, up. Just come come with, with somebody, somebody yeah. and go along for the ride yeah. and watch the other vehicles. We had vintage, new, luxury, exotic, sport. You right, hand drive, right hand drive,
1: discover- right de- defenders. Oh, that was so cool.
0: Yeah, FJs. It's just it's so much fun. So the twentieth, uh, if. Yeah. I don't think it's sold out yet. It's getting really close. They sell out every single time.
1: There's a morning. There's a two-hour morning event, and then there's an hour break, and then there's a two-hour two hour afternoon. E- afternoon event. Um, and it's yeah. And basically, uh, just in case you don't know, so you come for your, your section. Uh, the first they, they split the group in half. One half of the one half goes around and starts running the track. The other half goes to the middle of the track and learns about re- simple recovery gear or, or how to make recovery. How to make a pole,
0: yeah, things like that. Uh, Brandon
1: Ben Powell will get out there and tell you how to snatch anything out of a ditch. It's just, yes. That's what he does. Uh, he was teaching as, the sheriffs last time. As long as the weather gods stay with us. but uh, yeah,
0: so, yeah, even then, though, like if it's a nasty day, it's the perfect thing to do. But Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot, but it is a really, really fun event. And right now, when there's just no events and the weather's crappy, it's the perfect thing. Yeah. So.
1: And, like, you know, if you want to come out and, uh, you know, stand under the tent and by the fire with Dan and I, you know, we'll be there, too.
0: Yeah, bring cookies. I bring dog treats. Don't yeah. worry. We're dog friendly.
1: I'm not making that trade again. <laughs> uh, so, not,
0: yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll keep you warm, and we have awesome prizes from our sponsors, Griot's Garage. So we, yeah, like I said, the foam cannon and a full DSL kit. Last time, Master Pull has been a great contributor, and we're working on even getting even bigger. Also, talk to us about monkeys.
1: Yeah, if you're a member of Avance and you're like, I just, I know my car could do it, but I'm not really confident. Bring your car up. There, there are enough people there. There are enough volunteers. I mean, heck, Dan and I will take you out on the course in your car and talk to you. I mean, yeah, it's fun stuff. Like I said, there, there, you, you will. You will get the knowledge you need to be able to do it. A lot of people have gone out on that course going, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this. I know my car is capable of it. Like, but
0: Yeah, and there's cool. bypasses for the tough stuff. If you come up to something you're like, eh, I don't feel confident in that, no problem. Drive around it. We got you covered. Yep. So, anyway, yep. cool. uh, that's it for this week. Um, we will work on branching out even more with uh, more fun topics. I hope you like to learn about helmets and all the other fun stuff.
1: If, and if there's topics you'd like to learn more about in the automotive world or motorcycles or anything like that, you know, we could get into jet ski helmets next time. That's the thing.
0: Those are different. Those are actually, different. Those, those are, are different. different. And so. karting helmets are different too, exactly. actually. Exactly. Which is basically an SA helmet without the uh, the Nomex rating or the fire rating, by the yeah. way.
1: Yeah, yeah, just less fire. Yeah, less, not, yeah.
0: A, not a lot of fires in go karting. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, I mean, I and we will get into this again some other time because I want to get into the idea of helmets and the Hans devices and how they hook and, and what, what you really need that for. So, yeah. Um, for this episode of RCS, I'm Nick.
0: I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.